Well, I just punched the microphone. <laughs> Apparently, I'm crying and getting mascara all over the place. Oh, no. Oh, I was laughing so hard. <laughs> Had some tears. Are we ready to go? All right. I think we are. Okie dokie. Then I'm going to let you start us off. All right. Hi, I'm Shannon. And I'm Navita. And we're the, the Raven, Raven Girls. Girls. Welcome to our Raven Cycle podcast. Wait a second. <laughs> Apparently, I didn't write anything for this part. <laughs> I thought I did. Where we talk about whatever the topics might be. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should leave it like that. <laughs> Where we talk about how really scattered I've been for such a very long time. Yes. But I completely forgot to write something down. <laughs> Absolutely. I totally get you. Yeah. (laughs) All right. This is Intermezzo Take Two. Today, we'll be answering a group of listener questions that have a focus on Adam specifically. And today, Shannon will also be sharing her thoughts about Maggie's Scorpio Seas Tarot deck, which is a pretty great topic related to our favorite magician. Disclaimers. This is still a Raven Cycle analysis podcast, so we will likely be spoilerific. So you probably want to have read the books before listening. When needed, we'll use the pronunciations from the audiobooks, and page numbers are referenced from the paperback editions. And a disclaimer from me, once again, I forgot to make a beverage. (laughs) What the (laughs) fuck? (laughs) This podcast always has and likely always will have a teen plus rating. There will be canon levels of adult content, including Ronan swearing, 300 Foxway drinking, Kavinsky lewdness, and hopefully no gray man violence. Okay, let's get into the episode. Yes, let's do the Scorpio Seas Tarot stuff first. Okay. And I just put this little blurb from the publisher in the notes. Okie dokie. So I'll read this off and then I'll let you take it away. Perfect. The Scorpio Seas Tarot was the most recent tarot deck that Maggie produced. The book itself was written by Melissa Sinova, which is a friend of Maggie's, I guess, someone that Maggie has done other work with, or actually the person that she goes to for tarot readings for herself. Mm -hmm. I know Melissa Sinova has also written Kitchen Table Tarot, which I have a copy of, and it's pretty good. It seems very down to earth, very sort of practical, and Mm -hmm. Maggie did the art. Melissa did the accompanying book. And this is what the publisher said. It was released on October 8th, 2020 by Llewellyn. And the description of the deck was from Maggie Steve Otter, number one New York Times bestselling author of the Scorpio races, comes a new tarot deck of rugged beauty and mystery. Like a charming flower that turns out to conceal poison beneath its petals, Scorpio seed tarot seems simple on the surface, but demands a closer look. Maggie Steve Otter's phenomenal art shows us that hard times may lie on the horizon, but if you brave the ocean, you will be rewarded in incredible ways. With its full color companion book to guide you, this powerful deck gives you a deep sense of pride when the work is complete. Would you agree with that after having played with the deck? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I really like this deck. Mm -hmm. The artwork is amazing. I love the artwork. It's not exactly Scorpio races, which I love, but it absolutely has that same like British Isles from some indistinct time period feel. Right. It has a very vintage feel to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like some of the characters just feel like characters from the Scorpio races. Right. I love all the wildlife that shows up. 
because there's like mm-hmm. dolphins and badgers and foxes and puffins and hedgehogs. It's all very cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aren't the different suits like different classifications of animals? Like, is it one of the suits mythological animals and one of the suits like aquatic animals and stuff like that? Or kind of? Am I misremembering? It's kind of like that. I don't, I wasn't specifically like paying attention to that specifically. <laughs> so, okay. I think that was maybe how it worked, but I'm not 100% sure. Like, I couldn't tell you what animal was for which suit. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, yeah. <laughs> that's something I missed. No, that's okay. <laughs> Looking through it now, there's not a specific type of animal for each suit. Oh. Yeah. It's kind of just mixed and matched, oddly enough. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> Would you like me to show a couple of the cards? Yeah. All right. So, some of the cards, the artwork is just absolutely like amazing. Mm-hmm. Like the judgment. It's like a church's stained glass window. Right. It's just stunning. And I like how she changes the imagery to fit the theme. Mm -hmm. Like the tower, instead of being an actual tower, is Uh a ship being hit by lightning and sinking. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I like a lot of the cards. My favorite cards are the ones that have like the art fits together thematically, mm-hmm. like the sun and the moon. Right. The moon is a masculine silhouette cut from a tan background and filled with the moon shining on the ocean. Right. And then the sun is a feminine silhouette filled with the same tan color, but it's like a cut from a sunshiny like cliff scene. Doesn't it have sunflowers? Uh-huh. It's like sunflowers and the cliffs by the ocean and stuff. Yeah. It's really awesome. Puck and Sean. Mm-hmm. And the fool is a cat chasing a butterfly. <laughs> Which is pretty much why I thought you would like it. <laughs> and the world is the same cat but older, looking away from a bunch of butterflies. Right. I'm just like, that's awesome. Yeah. And what was Finn's cat's name? I don't remember. That's what it makes me think of when I see the cat. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. And one that I forgot to mention, Death. Yes. Is the Mary Lloyd. Yeah. Which is really, really awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it really fits both the theme of the deck and like it's a really nice call Mm -hmm. because like, yeah, having the Mary Lloyd be Death is really fitting. Yeah. And I don't remember which card it is that has the three women or the three sisters on it. That is... It's not the High Priestess. I don't think. This one? It is the High high Priestess. priestess. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I like like that that one one a lot, lot too. too. (laughs) As we say it in unison. (laughs) I also really liked the guidebook. I like that the art is all represented full page next to the interpretations. I haven't read it cover to cover yet, Mm -hmm. but I've done a couple of readings with the deck and I like the interpretations I've read. They seem to fit pretty well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It surprises me that it wasn't Maggie who wrote it because it reminds me of the interpretations from Maggie's other decks that you've read. Mm. So yeah, my overall opinion is I really adore it. Mm -hmm. It probably won't replace my Hello Kitty Tarot as my go-to, but then (laughs) (laughs) my Hello Kitty Tarot is my, is is like my deck. Right. (laughs) But I I have a feling it's going to rank way up there in decks that I use. I like it a lot. Uh, So my only thing (laughs) is that it came with a signed copy of the chariot. Right. And like, I love the art on the signed copy. Which has the sun and the moon in it. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But I don't want to use the signed copy when I'm doing the readings because I don't want to mess up the signature. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got her to sign a card in my deck Mm -hmm. and it's like, you know, it'll come up when it comes up. (laughs) I bet you got the moon signed, didn't you? I got the moon signed. Yeah, (laughs) I sure did. (laughs) 
I don't know you or anything, do I? No. Mm -mm. (laughs) Yeah, the moon in that deck, of course, is my favorite card of the deck that I've seen as well. Mm -hmm. I really, really like the way that it's put together. And I sent you pictures because when she first announced the deck, she was doing a very different style of art. Uh And I was so, so, so excited about that art style. Mm -hmm. And I understand that it would have been really hard to do that style of art. Oh, yeah, you showed me. After you got the deck, I texted you some pictures of the original art style. Uh-huh. And you were like, yeah, that's that's definitely a Navita deck. <laughs> like, uh-huh. And then when she changed it, I was like, this is definitely a Shannon deck. <laughs> like, the art style is totally not something mm-hmm. I would ever use. But that's just that's really weird. Yeah. (laughs) But the original art style, like I would have drooled all over it. Yes, it was. was, It's actually really pretty. It's beautiful. I can understand why it would be difficult to do a full deck in that style. But Mm -hmm. and I think she had actually done a different iteration, even from what the final deck ended up being, because there's also another moon image Mm -hmm. that didn't end up in the deck that you have. That's almost more of a watercolor. Mm -hmm. I think she went went through a couple of different art styles before finally settling on what you ended up getting. Right. So is there a favorite card? Oh, hmm. That's, it's really hard to pick just one. Yeah. Probably the moon. I really love the moon. Just for the art in the deck? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for the art. There's a lot of really good art. Mm-hmm. I don't have a specific favorite card that I can just be like, oh, yeah, that's my card. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, if I had to pick just one, I'd probably say the moon. And the readings that you've done with it, have you gotten a particular feeling from how the deck reads? Hmm. Like, do you think that it's sweet on the surface, but has a lot underneath it? Or <laughs> is it pretty straightforward? Or um, is it a Scorpio where it looks sweet? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Like, I, I poison underneath. <laughs> I don't know about the poison, but... <laughs> but yeah, I can definitely see the like, there's more to it than is on the surface, the imagery and the artwork and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm. Was there anything else? I don't think so. I tried to be thorough, but no, I don't feel like I was very thorough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, other than like, I was just curious how you felt mm-hmm. with reading the cards and if it seemed to play well with the questions that you ask and stuff like that. And Yeah, it seems to work just fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm warming up to it pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I have a lot of tarot decks, mm-hmm. but only a couple that I use regularly. Right. So warming up to this one pretty quickly is kind of like, oh, okay. It could be in my regular rotation. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like... <laughs> It's like when I read with my Golden Nouveau tarot, it's phenomenally gorgeous. It is very much just a Rider Waite Smith clone, Mm -hmm. but the art is freaking gorgeous. It is also the most mean (laughs) deck. (laughs) It's like (laughs) the most like cut the bullshit deck. I've ever like really ever read with and and I'm like you're so gorgeous why are you so mean to me (laughs) it's always pretty girls are always mean yeah it's just like look I'm not gonna sugarcoat any of the Mm. bullshit and I'm like but you're so pretty aren't you supposed to sugarcoat the bullshit like 
I come to you when I just want something pretty in my life. And it's like, uh-uh, we ain't playing that. My cards never sugarcoat. It doesn't matter which deck I use. They never sugarcoat. Yeah. It just cracks me up. I can only go to that deck when I'm like, <laughs> really, really feeling like, okay, apparently I need just to get a kick in the face. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just not gonna. <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah, I pretty much only have three decks on rotation. And I pretty much the Maggie deck, the Raven prophecy deck, obviously is probably my favorite. But mm-hmm. I also have many decks that I never use. <laughs> but yeah, very cool. It is very cool. But yeah, so the deck is very, very pretty. And I like it a lot. The end. <laughs> All right. Shall we move on to the questions? Okay. First question. Perpetually Turtles said to Raven Girls, Hi, I love the podcast and I listen to it every time I'm on a Raven Cycle kick. I'm on what is probably my fifth listen through right now. That's very nice. I appreciate (laughs) that someone wants to listen to it more than once. Mm -hmm. I was just wondering about your opinion on a Native American Adam or Autistic Gansey. Thank you. Again, love you guys on the podcast. So my thoughts on that are that like, I'm all for people finding representation, even if the creator didn't explicitly put it there. Yeah. Yeah. And if like thinking the characters that way is meaningful for that person, like awesome, do it. Right. Yeah. Honestly, I don't really see it. And I feel like there's some obstacles. But then again, it's not my place to like, yeah. To make those judgments. Right. Right. Yeah. I had the same thing where it's like, if they find connection, if anyone finds connection with a particular character in a particular way... There's textual, there's subtextual, there's metatextual. People can read into characters. And that, again, like you said, find representation Mm -hmm. with a particular character, even if they're not quite written that way explicitly. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that people can't find connection that way. And I'm like you, I don't have the experience of being autistic or neurodivergent in that way. So Mm -hmm. I personally don't feel comfortable really saying that I see that in Gansey. Right. Same goes for Native American with me for Adam. Yeah. Yeah, I do feel like I guess I have seen things that are more, I think, explicitly neurodivergent. Yeah, I can say that. And we've talked about Finn in the Scorpio Mm -hmm. races. To me, Red, Mm -hmm. at least very OCD, which is something totally different, but could also be Mm -hmm. a representation of that. And like Beatrice in All the Crooked Saints. Yeah. But then again, someone might find my interpretations of those characters that way being problematic. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, folks could push back on those interpretations. Because again, I don't have the experience to be able to say that it's good or even viable representation. Right. I definitely see Gansey as having We've talked about, you know, panic disorders, anxiety, Mm -hmm. PTSD. But then again, I have a lot more experience with mental health issues. And Mm -hmm. so I see those maybe where someone else might see something else. Right. Yeah. And then for Adam as Native American, we've talked about this a little bit in episode 13, where the Raven Cycle is about class. Mm -hmm. It's not about race. That doesn't mean that race isn't important, obviously, but that's not 
what Maggie was writing to when she wrote The Raven Cycle. And unfortunately with me, with a Native American interpretation, I see some issues with it mm-hmm. because of Adam's background and with things like the historic use of alcohol as a tool for colonialism mm-hmm. in America with the Native population. And so having Adam's father as an alcoholic right, and putting that into a Native American context really feels not great to me. Mm-hmm. But someone who's Native might say completely different. And unfortunately, just because of the type of poverty that Adam lives in, and the unfortunate reality of a lot of our indigenous nations in this country and yeah. the living conditions on some of those nations' lands, I I don't like putting Adam there. Mm-hmm. I think it says something that's not great because we have massive issues with the way that our indigenous populations are treated here. Mm-hmm. It's like when we talked about Ronan being black, it's not about... Ronan not being positive representation of a particular type of person. It's that at least I personally like I'd rather see Gansey be black <laughs> because I, that's, that's I was going to bring that up. Like yeah. that would actually be if any of them were to be black, it would be Gansey because he's like, right. Because yeah, but it, you know, again, inherently his white privilege is a part of the character, mm-hmm. but inherently Ronan's white privilege is also a part of the character. Right. And you know, if I was going to say anything, it's like make Ronan half Native American. It doesn't change his character to put that lens on it. Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe Aurora was different. You know, obviously he's got an Irish dad. Right. But yeah, I don't think a ton of great positive coding would come out of Adam as Native versus mm. some of the other characters being Native, like Noah. Make Noah native, although, you know, it doesn't it doesn't serve the story in any way because the story is about class, not race. Mm -hmm. That's just the reality of the story, the way it was written. Mm -hmm. But I would ask any Native American or other folks what their opinions are, because I'm a white person. I don't really I don't really get to say, (laughs) to be honest. Right. Same with autism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'd be interesting to hear like people from those groups, their perspective on it. Right, right. And if the person asking the question, again, relates to those characters in that way, there's nothing really necessarily saying you can't. It just... No. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a lot of enforced oppression around Indigenous folks in the United States that I don't like for Adam. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anything else? I don't think so. I think we pretty much covered that. Yeah. Do you feel the same about Adam? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you also see there being some potential problems? Yeah, pretty much the same ones you do. Yeah. Like you brought up the same things I was going to bring up. Just like it feels... I'm sorry. I didn't mean to... No, no, it's fine. It feels like it will be kind of stereotypical, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And not stereotypical, like it's not a positive representation of... Yeah. (sighs) But yeah, if there's somebody out there who's native who relates to that and is like, oh, Adam is like me, then yeah, that's totally valid. Right. Exactly. (laughs) That's exactly Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. So yeah, we have pretty much the exact same view on that. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. 
I'm sorry. I thought you were done answering. So I, I if no, I, I mean, I, I was, but okay. If I stepped on anything, you know, no, that's fine. Feel free to put a hand up and say, "Hey, I've got more to say" or something. No, like I was done. I okay. <laughs> All right, ready for the second question? Yep. Anonymous said to Raven Girls, "Do we ever learn Blue's thoughts on Adam and Vernon's relationship when they first get together?" I know we briefly get Gansey's reaction in The Raven King. Is she surprised, unsurprised? I'd imagine she'd feel happy and relieved for Adam knowing they both ended up with the people they were meant to. We don't get explicit POV blue reaction to the relationship at all. Mm -hmm. Unless there's a place that you can recall that happening. We get explicit Adam reaction to Blue and Gansey, Mm -hmm. but we don't get Blue reacting to Adam and Ronan. Right. I don't think we do. She gets more chill with both of them after they get together, but I don't think we have like a moment where she like reacts to it. Yeah. Well, and I was flipping through the basically the end of the Raven King, like the last third of the Raven King happens in less than a day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So there's not a lot of time for Blue to react to Adam and Ronan. And it's not necessarily made explicit the way that the Gansey and Blue relationship is on page with Blue there. But I actually do have a headcanon that the scene where Gansey and Adam are talking at the barns and Adam asks, how do you know that you're in love with her? Mm -hmm. Because Blue and Ronan actually go into the kitchen and they're chatting in the kitchen and they're like laughing or whatever. I have a a headcanon that Ronan's totally telling Blue that he and Adam kissed at the same time Adam is telling Gansey that he and Ronan kissed. And like the conversation in the kitchen is totally different and probably involves peach pie. Whereas the, the conversation with Gansey is all like, you better not break him, Adam. And like the one in the kitchen is like high fives and like fist bumps uh-huh. and like maybe a noogie or two, probably Blue giving Ronan a noogie if she can get up on the counter. So, so I have a feeling that like the same conversations happening at the same uh-huh. time and two totally different reactions are going on. I totally did that. That is awesome. Yeah. But explicitly on page, we don't. We don't see it. Yeah. I don't think we see any reaction from Blue, unfortunately, because I think she'd be cool with it. Mm-hmm. Anything else on that one? I don't think so. All right. Moving right along. So the third question was anonymous said to Raven Girls, hello, I know y'all are in hiatus because of quarantine, but I was wondering if there would ever be a discussion about single sided deafness and how Adam's disability is kind of used as a plot device, especially in Blue Lily, Lily Blue. Love the podcast and your analysis so much and I'm patiently waiting for your return. Thank you. We appreciate that. (laughs) We are also patiently waiting for our return. (laughs) Adam's deafness, the way I see it, is kind of like a trigger for his PTSD, or at least that's how it shows up in my memory. Mm-hmm. When he has moments where he's aware of it, where it's brought to his awareness, he has flashbacks to the abuse that he suffered that caused it. Mm-hmm. Like, mentions of his deafness feel to me much more about what he's been through rather than what he's going through at the moment. Mm-hmm. And yeah, do you want to add what you were going to say before I talk about my... Yeah. Okay. The way that I think about Adam's deafness 
is almost entirely as an indicator of when magic is happening. So I do see it as this plot device. Mm -hmm. It's like when the pig's engine stalls. uh (laughs) It's basically plot convenient that it's mentioned that way. But then I don't know how much it's noticeable on a day to day anyway. But I would say that there are a couple of places where Adam's deafness comes into play. The one that always sticks in my brain is a passage from page 209 in Blue Lily, Lily Blue, where Gansey, Blue, Adam and Ronan and Chainsaw are all going into the cave. And this is before they find Gwenthian. Mm-hmm. And Adam says, stop it, Lynch. And Ronan's like, stop what? Oh, come on. And then Adam says, Ronan, come on. And Ronan, what? Singing, Adam said. I'm not doing anything. Adam had his fingers pressed against one of his ears. I know now. I know it's not you. You think? No, Adam said, voice thin. I know it's not you because I'm hearing it in my deaf ear. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I'd forgotten moments like that, yeah. Yeah, and that happens a couple of times. There's also a couple of passages in The Raven King. On page 109, when Adam is going into that bathroom, when the demon is trying to take him over for the first time at Aglenby, Mm -hmm. there was a sound like a shot. Adam shied away as the mirror split. A sun from somewhere else burned on the other side of it. Leaves were pressed up against the glass as if it were a window. The forest whispered and hissed in Adam's deaf ear, urging him to help it find a channel. So again, that's like the magic kind of speaking to him. Mm -hmm. And then on page 148, when Ronan and Adam are driving around and Adam is scrying in the car and he's trying to find the demon and Ronan's music is playing and all that stuff is happening. Mm -hmm. A very far away part of him, a part that thudded with electric beat, remembered suddenly that it was the light of the phone charger. That was the part of his brain that was still present enough to whisper directly directions to Ronan. Turn right. Caveswater muttered into his deaf ear. It whispered of taking a part of disowning a violence of nothingness, a backward step of self-doubt, a lying promise that you knew would hurt you. Demon, demon, demon. Mm-hmm. So again, it's an indicator of Caves Water trying to get in touch with him or magic. Right. There are a couple of places where it's actually just used or mentioned in the narrative. And that's like in chapter nine of Blue Lily, Tad Crothers is able to kind of sneak up on Adam and smack him on the back of the head because he comes up on his left side and so Adam doesn't hear him. Mm -hmm. And then on page 48 of the Raven King, Blue acknowledges that Adam is looking around the far side of the passenger seat because he's trying to turn his good ear to the back seat where Ronan and Blue are talking. So that's another place where it's mentioned, but it's not really a plot device. Mm -hmm. Neither of those places are plot devices. They're just places where it actually comes in. Mm -hmm. I also noticed that apparently when Gansey is having his panic attacks and he covers his ear, he also covers his left ear. Hmm. So I was like, coincidence? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, oddly enough, Adam and I are deaf in the same ear. Yeah. Yeah, it's both left ear. 
So mine, thankfully, was not from a traumatic experience. It was a growth. Yeah. I mean, it still sucks, but it's more of an inconvenience than a trauma. Right. It's like I have trouble knowing where sounds are coming from, mm-hmm. following conversations if I'm sitting in the wrong place, like in a car. Yeah. <laughs> like I have done that whole like, it's like, oh, man, I'm sitting on the wrong side of the car. I can't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> I have to have an obnoxiously loud alarm because I sleep on my good ear. Right. And so it's difficult to wake up in the morning. You know, it's that kind of thing. And like, you know, people try not to get annoyed when I have to ask them to repeat stuff about a million times. Mm -hmm. But I feel super annoying. Like I'm being super annoying when I have to ask them to. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's definitely a pain and I can definitely sympathize with Adam. Yeah. But I'm glad that it's from just a medical thing and not from like, you know, abuse. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily to get too spoiler zone, but what you said about him having his good ear pressed to the pillow, that's what happens in Call Down the Hawk. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't wake up because he's got that. Uh-huh. That's not a spoiler, I don't think. That's actually in the part of the book that you can read for free. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll link to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, he doesn't wake up because he's got his good ear pressed to the pillow. Right. Yeah. I'm like, yep, been there. (laughs) Do you think that Mm -hmm. the way that it is referenced is only used as a plot device? Or do you think that it's pretty well balanced? I think it's pretty balanced. Mm -hmm. Because like, there are moments, like you said, where it's it just is. It's just a thing. Right. And like, there are a lot of moments where I'm like, oh, yeah, I do that. (laughs) Yeah. I try to sit on your right side when we're at a restaurant or something, you know, Mm -hmm. or at least. Yeah, it. It always makes it difficult because, like, I don't really drive. And so, like, when I'm in a car with somebody, they're generally on right. my left-hand side. Yeah. And so it's really difficult for me, like, to be, like, I have to, like, turn my head and be like, okay, yeah. let's, try to, let's try to set this way. And if I'm sitting in the back seat, that's, like, I really can't hear. Yeah. Because I can't see their lips. Yeah. <laughs> makes sense. Hmm. I guess, though, mm-hmm. I was going to say, maybe that explains how Adam can sleep in the pig. <laughs> so, he, just, he just tunes out <laughs> and goes to sleep. I can sleep in such, like, with pretty much anything going, like any kind of noise or whatever won't doesn't really wake me up. Whereas my mom has always referenced the princess and the pea with how hard it is to get me to sleep. <laughs> That was a pretty standard response to me not being able to sleep Mm -hmm. was, is there pee under your bed? (laughs) It's like, no, but there's something scratchy. I can't (laughs) sleep. Or there's a little bit of light or there's something buzzing, literally buzzing in the walls. (laughs) It's fucking annoying. But yeah, (sighs) I will say that I am glad in the glad maybe that's not the right term but in the epilogue when adam does bring it up Mm -hmm. and he confronts his dad with the fact that hey you did this to me it might be quote and i'm gonna air quote invisible but it is something that affects my life and you did this and it is your fault Mm -hmm. and i do think that that's a very it's a very powerful scene anyway, but to have him actually address it with his father and say permanent damage has happened because mm-hmm. of your actions. And this is something I have to live with for the rest of my life. And I'm glad that that is addressed. Yeah, me too. So anything that we didn't cover with Adam's hearing? I don't think so. 
I had planned to talk about this when we get into Blue Lily. There's a couple of places where I will probably reference this conversation again. We can always add more stuff in the future. Mm -hmm. I wanted to give it space because it was a really good question. Absolutely. Okay. Maggie Watch. Maggie Watch. Now, it may not be applicable when this actually comes out, but Mr. Impossible will get an Owl Crate special edition and it will match the Owl Crate edition of Call Down the Hawk with an art cover by Maggie like they did for the first book. They're open for sale to the general population, but by the time this comes out, they might be sold out. We'll see. There's also an indie art print that is being released at independent bookstores. I believe that if you pre-order one of the copies from One More Page bookstore that Maggie is doing her editions through, you will get the art print regardless. I'll put the links for those in our show notes. If the Owl Crate edition is sold out, I might just cut the <laughs> the announcement for that out of the Maggie watch. But yeah, some special editions and some Maggie art swag will be released with. I have a really hard time saying the title of the second book. Because <laughs> I just think it's so dirty. <laughs> but there's some art stuff coming for Mr. Impossible. Mm-hmm. That will be. <sighs> yeah. Supporter shout out. Okay. (laughs) We still want to send out all of our love to our Patreon supporters, even though the account's been on hold for a while. The page is still there, but some folks are still signed up on Patreon. If you ever want to see a list of our current or past patrons, you can visit ravengirls.com slash supporters. And I update that basically like once a month, pretty much when Patreon reminds me that things are going through. (laughs) But we do want to say thank you for the folks that have stuck around. You want to go first? Sure. Andrea, Jamie, Nancy, Chelsea, D the Shadow, Tiffany, Louise, Hannah, Rhiannon, Ollie, Madeline, Lena, and Wibsy. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. And then we've got a couple of just positive listener feedback. Okay. And I think these were actually messages that we got on Tumblr. So they weren't reviews. They were just fun, happy messages that I wanted to acknowledge that folks sent us. So escapist cat on the internet said to Raven Girls, I love your name. That's awesome. Escapist Cat on the Internet said to Raven Girls, Hiya, just wanted to let you know that your podcast is delightful and that I unhinge my jaw in a demonic fashion and consume the whole thing in a week. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm on a road trip with so much sitting still time, so y'all are way helpful, as I am hanging on by a Raven Cycle-shaped thread, and my copy of Raven Boys disappeared somewhere in Las Vegas. Oh no! Oh no! (laughs) Thanks for your good work on informing the masses of cryptic poetry references and stones with holes in them. And I wish you both well. Well, thank you so much. (laughs) I know this was, I think, sent somewhere in the summer of 2020 Mm -hmm. (laughs) or or maybe early fall. But I hope the road trip went well. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to hear about your Raven boys going missing. Hopefully you've gotten a replacement (laughs) since then. But... I'm glad that we were bingeable for you and helped get you through something. That was very nice. Thank you so much. Did you want to say anything? No, I pretty much covered it. Just, you know, (laughs) I also hope that the trip went well. And I also hope that they uh, found a new copy of Raven Boys. Yeah. (laughs) 
good old fashioned nerd, which I appreciate your your username. Very good. Mm -hmm. Said to Raven Girls. Hi from France. Wow, France. Hi hi from the US. (laughs) (laughs) Just wanted to say thank you so much for your podcast. I put it on while rewriting my lessons and it turns those boring moments into funny ones. Thanks for your good energy, your dorky jokes. You're you're welcome. (laughs) You're always pertinent comments and for making me relive these books I love in a new way. I still have a whole season to listen to, which makes me very happy. And I can't wait to hear your thoughts about the dream thieves. Yay, dream thieves. I hope you two are doing well in these troubled times. We're doing okay. (laughs) I'm glad that you're looking forward to the second season. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Be prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Be prepared for me to talk a lot, which is what happens all the time anyway. And for Shannon (laughs) to go, are we there yet? (laughs) Are we to blue? (laughs) I I did not... (laughs) I like the dream thieves. Not as much as you do. (laughs) It's okay. We can't all be right. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) My cheeks hurt. (laughs) Shall we move on? (laughs) All right. Yes, let's move on. Yeah, no action items or anything. Feel free to send us questions if I ever actually get these episodes edited and posted online. I hope that you and I can both be vaccinated by the time Mr. Impossible comes out so that we can be in the same room. Uh That would be awesome. Let's shoot for like May 18th as our vaccination date, hopefully, (laughs) or closely thereafter. They're supposed (laughs) to be able to all have vaccinations available to us by May 1st. That's the hope. So maybe we'll actually be able to record a a Mr. Impossible episode in the same room. Wow. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? I miss seeing your face in real life. Yeah. BTW, you have a copy of Mr. Impossible coming. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We'll just have to figure out how to get it to you Uh, because it's going to come to my house. Okay. But I can drop it off for you or something. (laughs) I'm now up to four copies of the book that I've purchased. So. Okay. So are you ready for the wrap up? Yeah. Okay. Thank you for joining us today. Our next intermezzo will include several listener questions covering Call Down the Hawk. So folks who have not read that yet may want to skip it or be cautious of spoilers. Our recording and release schedule is likely going to be inconsistent over the next few months until we can get a handle on what remote recording and editing will entail. Hopefully I'll get better on the editing end. However, the plan is to continue a Thursday schedule when posting new episodes. As always, your best bet for hearing about episodes will be to subscribe at your podcatcher of choice. And my understanding is that Apple has changed their vernacular from subscribe to follow. So if you are finding us on an Apple podcast, you might have to hit a follow button instead anyway. But you can follow us online at social media for announcements of whatever topics we might be covering next. 
And these informal little intermezzos can use more questions. And if we can get enough material to kind of get us through the next few months until we really feel comfortable being together, then great. That's content that we can get out to you all. Yep. And to get in touch, you can find us practically everywhere on social media at Raven Girls, R-A-V-I-N-G-I-R-L-S. On Twitter at Raven Girls, on Tumblr at ravengirls.tumblr.com, Facebook at facebook.com slash ravengirls, and you can reach us directly at ravengirls at gmail.com. For complete show notes and other useful information, visit us at ravengirls.com. And you can reach me at substanceparty.tumblr.com or via Gmail at substanceparty with all of the A's taken out, S-U-B-S-T-N-C-E-P-R-T-Y at gmail.com. If we have referenced a post or article during these intermezzodes, we will do our best to include source links to those in the show notes. The Raven Cycle and all affiliated properties are copyright Maggie Stiebotter and Scholastic Incorporated. We hope hope you've enjoyed today's episode we've had a really fun time <laughs> recording it in more ways than one <laughs> yes and until next time whoop whoop raven girls all right great what's up <laughs> uh now i've got the beastie boys stuck in my head oh, but no. it's squirrels all we really need is squirrels <laughs> <laughs> squirrels in the morning squirrels in the oh man <laughs> oh man goodness oh that's hilarious okay i don't like my brain i won't say i'm enjoying that <sighs> oh you disappeared i'm right here oh no okay you're back i can see you can you see me i can now okay all right give it a shot okay Okay, I'm back. Are you still here? Navita! Are you there? Do do. <sighs> Are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. I saw a meme, I think, well, I saw it in my phone, so obviously I downloaded it at some point. <laughs> that was basically the Zoom call is the modern day seance, where it's like, is there anybody in the room? Can anyone hear us? Can you just give me a sign? Can you, can you, can you show me that you're here? Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. And so true. Uh, it was pretty funny. Hello. Hello. Is there anybody in there? Just not if you can hear me. Is there anyone at home? <laughs> oh man. Okay, now I see and hear you. Okay. Woohoo! I was gonna say I I was like, I'm here. I couldn't see or hear you either, so huh. I don't know. I don't know what the deal was. I was sitting here singing Pink Floyd to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that you were like the little ring around you was green, but I I couldn't hear you and you were a gray screen. Interesting. So I had no idea what was going on. I was singing comfortably numb. <laughs> I was like. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Is there, there anybody, anybody in there? there? <laughs> Just not if you, you can, can hear, hear me. me. <laughs>
<laughs> is there anyone at home? <laughs> yeah, you missed it. It was a whole, I got through pretty much the whole song. That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> if we have read, we have, uh, 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 I was doing so well. <laughs> if we have referenced a post or article during these intermezzodes, we will do our best to include source links to those in the show notes. The Ravian... The <laughs> The Ravian cycle. <laughs> the the blah, 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 blah. the Raven cycle and all affiliated properties are copyright Maggie's Jesus <laughs> are copyright Maggie Steve Otter and Scholastic Incorporated. The Raven cycle. We and, hope you've enjoyed. Oh, let me do it again. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> let me do another take. Okay. All right. Shall I stop recording? Okay. <laughs>